you might hear some noises because I'm in the country and we got dogs and That's I got a kid. My mom's watching my child right now, but sometimes they run in and out. Mm-hmm. Yo, my baby be upstairs <laughs> screaming. You'll be, you'll be hearing them on some of the podcast episodes for sure. <laughs> most recent one, most deaf. Welcome to Only Yesterday. Uh, my name is Tony, and today I've got a very special guest. Who are you? My name is Prawlin Rose. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. And today we're going to be talking about autism spectrum disorder, um, living on the spectrum, essentially. And so, mm-hmm. of course, up top, we've got um, our sources for today are famous people with autism, 180 plus athletes, actors, musicians, and more by Heather Barber from ongig.com. O-N-G-I-G. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. Um, we've also got what are the treatments for autism by Eurice <laughs> Kennedy Shriver from the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development from NIH.gov. And of course, we've got the ever infamous DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistic Manual, the one that'll let you know the big book on mental health from the American Psychiatric Association. So what is autism, right? And so I want to mention up top, like at the very beginning, okay, um, I want to mention that as the name suggests, autism is a spectrum and there are varying levels to the disorder, as well as comorbidities that can potentially compound and complicate the functioning of the person with the disorder. Meaning some people with the disorder may require very substantial support, i.e. bathing, eating, etc., while some will require very little. I also want to mention that intellect is very difficult to quantify in a person. Um, Some people may have intricate and racing thoughts as meticulous as building a skyscraper, yet struggle to adequately articulate those thoughts, and often inappropriately being seen as less intelligent. Um, On the contrary, many people on the autism spectrum um, are very astute, observant, and for all intents and purposes, intelligent. So being on the spectrum, how would you describe being on the spectrum? How would I describe it? Like, you mean like on a day-to-day basis or if I'm dealing with social norms or Or situations? Or just like overall. overall. It's so hard to articulate that Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like, how would you describe being neurotypical? Okay. I can, I can see that it's a difficult description, but I mean. Right. I can, I can talk about like my symptoms, but to me, I live normally. I am a normal person. Mm-hmm. This is a typical life for me, what I do. But if I were to say some of the challenges that I deal with that makes me understand how society places me, I would say that I have to be very, very careful with taking things too literally. And how I respond to those things. And I have to be very, very careful with assuring that I am, how do I say, showing that I'm responding in a way that will make the other person understand my meaning. Okay. So I can come off as very not empathetic because my face is just deadpan. You don't realize I'm feeling everything inside and I'm processing things. I'm not realizing that, oh, I need to have these reactions so that people get the cues and they understand that, oh, I am responding in a way that shows that I am normal. It's like a very covert thing. I feel very much like an alien or a crocodile in a ballet class among swans. That's what it feels Yo. like sometimes. Okay. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's a good description. And honestly, I think mm-hmm. you, you mentioned something that I 
I, you don't you don't typically think about too often. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, during the course of regular conversation, um, you mentioned just like facial cues or like facial expressions, right? Like if you show a face of like, you know, raise eyebrows, you're curious. Or if you, you smile mm-hmm. you like inside, you giggle at something because, you know, you think that what the other person said was, you know, interesting or funny or something. Exactly. And, and if people catch you doing that, they think that you're being calculative. Right. And that right. you're being fake. And you're like, no, I have to make sure I react correctly. It's like, oh, you're not being genuine then. And, and then you have to like very much explain why you exist the way that you do. And then at the end of the day, you realize you're doing all this stuff to make other people feel comfortable. Hmm. So it's an interesting perspective. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Like many people don't think about it that way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just, it was just interesting to me, you know, as we, as quote on like, you know, neurotypical people, um, as we discover, like we have discussions, whatever, we give the facial features, the facial, you know, expressions, whatever. And by your description, you know, someone who's on the spectrum might not give you all the oh, same oh. facial features and expressions, but I'm still feeling everything that we're discussing. Like I'm still, right. I'm still you know, a part of this conversation. Um, right. And I think that's, I think that was important that you mentioned. And so formally, um, the autism spectrum disorder belongs to a class of disorders called neurodevelopmental disorders. And there are a few main criteria that need to be met, um, some of which are persistent deficits in social communication and social interaction across multiple contexts, um, restricted repetitive patterns of behavior, interests, or activities. Um, the symptoms are present from childhood and persist into adulthood. Um mm-hmm. Some of these symptoms include deficits in socio-emotional reciprocity, ranging from abnormal social approach and failure of normal back and forth conversation to to reduced sharing of interests, emotions, or affect. Um, Some also include poor physical boundaries. Um, Sometimes there's deficits in nonverbal communicative behaviors used for social interaction, such as abnormal nonverbal communication, meaning meaning body language integrated with verbal communication. So essentially, you know, your body language not being congruent with the conversation that's coming from your mouth. And so uh, some people on the autism spectrum may have hyper or hypo activity to sensory input and Mm -hmm. unusual interests in sensory aspects of the environment, um, such as an adverse response to specific sounds or textures, as opposed to someone who is quote unquote neurotypical. Um, the sake of example, right? Like someone being like, "Oh, there's two like these leaves out here. They they look mm-hmm. too, they look too rough. I can't focus right now. Like I'm I'm focusing oh, on yeah. right now." Um, so w- what do you think about the definition, the formal definition? It's it's spot on. <laughs> um, definitely. If if you know, I would say that sensory disorders or aversions are pretty common, like, just amongst neurodivergent people in general. But if you're mm-hmm. talking about like sensory input it could be that like certain sounds could sound normal to you but even certain voices it can sound like it's high pitch ringing like tinnitus in my ear and it's painful or if i get too stressed out and there's too much audio feedback for me to process it you know how when you like take two microphones together and it makes that sound it can sound literally just like that and it's unfortunate that people see autism they usually in my experience, think of me covering my ears or shaking my head and just trying to drown it out and trying to keep myself grounded. They think of like your, um, not exacerbated, but they see how you're reacting to your environment and then they're like, oh, there's something wrong with you. Mm. And what it really is, is that no, it's literal pain. It's not just a 
discomfort. It can be a discomfort, but you know what happens if you pursue the discomfort and you ignore it. It can become like a painful thing that you're going through. And now you're in this environment. All you can do, if you have the tools to know, to try and ground yourself and get to a safe space. Hmm. Yo, that, I'm glad you said that. Um, because one of the kids that I work with, um, she is also on the spectrum. And there was there was a day that there was a, a fight that had happened there. Like two of the kids mm -hmm. were just fighting, big beefing, like literally throwing hands. And the kid was like, yo, I need to go outside. Like I, I cannot be in here right now. This is just, it's too much. And mm -hmm. the fact that they had made that acknowledgement Instead of just, you know, freaking out, you know, blasting people, doing whatever. They're like, hey, I this is just too much right now. Too much shit. And I'm like, okay, yo, let's let's go outside. No big deal. Um, I can only imagine, you know, what may have been going on inside that person's head at the time, right? Like if mm -hmm. it was, you know, the painful um mic microphone feedback interference or yeah. if, it, if it was, you know, just that overload of sensory uh stimulation. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yo, I'm here for yes. you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I tell people to be curious. I'm like, I, I think that being curious about one another is important, like literally. It is. It's how you, curiosity is how you discover new things and you figure out how to go about things easier or at least in a way that's more focused on equality. It's right. more of an equal experience for everyone to feel comfortable with themselves. Right. Um, yeah, like one of the reasons why I, I help, or help myself is I wear like my headphones when I'm out. Um, you know, sensory or audio blocking noise canceling headphones can help, but I'm always scared of how it will look if I have those bulky ones. So I just wear my studio headphones and I still get questioned, but then I can be like, oh yeah, my earbuds broke and I didn't want to spend like $80 on them. But, you know, I have to excuse still what I'm doing to make myself feel comfortable in the environment. Seeming mm. like I'm autistic and I don't like hearing things sometimes. So mind your business. Yo, I mean, you could just say that and that would be fine. Like, <laughs> I totally could. But as someone who's perceived as a Black woman in society, I always am going to be touted as just being angry instead of just being frustrated because you're judging me as soon mm -hmm. as I step out the door and I'm just trying to live my life. Okay, yo, and black I, being black and autistic, totally. <laughs> yo, and trust and believe we have a section in this episode so we can discuss just that. Mm -hmm. Um. But before we get there, um, right. back to the research, <laughs> intellectual disability disorder and autism spectrum disorder frequently co-occur to make comorbid diagnoses of ASD and intellectual disability. Uh, social communication should be below that of the general developmental level. Um, and I think that it's important to mention this because of the medical terminology that people have used throughout the years. Um I mean, a word that I personally don't use, I mean, I guess, you know, freedom of speech, everyone can say whatever it is that they want, but it starts with an R and rhymes with, mm. you know what I mean? And I just, I personally Yeah, the slur, right. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, some people who are on the spectrum don't suffer from an intellectual disability disorder and vice versa. Not everyone who has an intellectual disability disorder um, suffers from the autism, like suffers from autism. But many times they are comorbid. And again, many people on the autism spectrum are very intelligent for all intents and purposes. But in, for what it's worth, we're just discussing this particular subset of the population. Mm -hmm. And so you had mentioned, actually, as we were, as I sent you the, uh, the outline, we were discussing, okay, hey, wait a minute, you know, what about this? What about that? And you would discuss, you know, the, the savant syndrome, right? Like, um, yeah. 
being so let, let's talk about that right because it's essentially like being somewhat you know intellectually disabled or on some sort of spectrum but then you just have this massive wealth of knowledge that you are just the most like nah, the cream of the crop you know what i mean like you know, right 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 um goodness gracious i'm like struggling because i'm just having all my core memories unlocked as we're talking of things of because i know before i mentioned i hate how they use the word intellect because you wouldn't look at a dolphin and you wouldn't look at a horse and say oh it has intellect issues just because it thinks differently than you and has a different common sense than you and i know that's comparing humans to animals but sometimes we just give more respect to animals than we do to people on the spectrum Hmm. and um it's just uh my bad i'm veering off which is one of my things injustice i have a bad habit of focusing on what i feel like is injustice savantism when you have this moment and it feels like, again, it's hard to describe, but you've never touched something before, but at least in my experience, I can have things that I I want to do it and somehow I know how to do it. I've not seen tutorials. I've not seen it really in person. Maybe I just saw a glimpse, but I know how it's made and then I can go out, get things and I can just do it. And it's very much, people say like, it's like a pattern it very much is like a pattern to me. It's just like a puzzle that I can figure out. I don't see it any different than getting a jigsaw puzzle and putting all the pieces together. If I see something that I've never done, a painting or music or melody arrangements or even certain mathematical equations, I can just do it. Now, when you have that kind of level and you're undiagnosed and there's not like a lot of information out, during the early 90s and or the late 90s and early 2000s, people are just going to think that you have a focus problem because you can do these really, really well. You can do science and art and all this really well, but you don't do these other things very, very well and you don't communicate well and now you're a social problem or now you have behavioral issues because you just can't do it. It's like you don't want to do it. It's like it's not in you to try. So you didn't just get touted as lazy. Um, in my case, I am ADHD and autistic. Mm. So a lot of this stuff aligns with it, with the deficient, with the attention deficiency that I have. That is my ADHD, but not being able to understand why this is such a big deal that you have to subject me to what you're doing or how you feel like I should be punished until I click it right then it's like, that's my autism. But when no one wants to just call you autistic because you don't need a lot of support, they just use the slur instead mm-hmm. to try to shame you into doing better. Right. And, and so you mentioned a few things there. And I think it's uh, it's important to note because, oh, holy shit, okay, there's there's a lot. Um, my bad. So, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine. They're all, they're all valid points. Um, mm-hmm. And so when we say, okay, well, you're really good at this, but you don't want to put in the effort to finish school, do your homework, whatever. Um, right. And then we acknowledge that, okay, like perhaps whenever I'm doing this particular thing, like I, I just genuinely cannot, you know, either we have so many things going on in the mind or mm-hmm. you're, you're perhaps you're dyslexic. You know what I mean? You're, you're trying to. Oh, definitely. I am dyslexic. Yeah. Do it. Mm-hmm. You know? And so when, when it comes to something that you're interested in, or at, at the very least, you know, you 
like like mathematics. Let's say you're you're not even interested in it, but you're good at it. Like you can just yeah. do it really, really easily, really well. Um, I think that we need to take that into account. And now going back to you know the dolphins intellect, and I think and here's where I will give like the slightest amount. I don't even want to say pushback, but I, I want to say I, my perspective is mm-hmm. if if people who are observing animals in their state you know we we witness a pattern we can say okay well then based on the patterns that we're seeing the base level of intellect is this pattern that we're seeing amongst these this population of animals whatever right so i i don't think it's i don't think it's wise to say that okay well this animal over here um isn't following the same pattern of behaviors that we're seeing from these animals. Therefore they must be, you know, uh, inferior, right. Or perhaps, exactly. they, perhaps they can do something like even better than the regular pattern, but regular pattern of people, but like, it just isn't, it's unconventional. I'll say they do it. They get it done mm-hmm. in an unconventional way. And right. Yeah. I, I think that is a, is and they're a, not seen as less intelligent for doing it unconventionally. Right. That's it. I just I think that's important to like make that distinction mm-hmm. because again we I hear, we hear this term so much, bro. Like I, rather I do, and I don't love it, but I mean, like you get it, yeah. Like I, I understand why people say the things that they do, and I mean, and again, it's, it's you're right as a human being to say whatever you want, but um, just being mindful that this person may be able to help you with something that you have no idea how to handle. You know what I mean? Exactly. They, they may know how to do it really well. Mm-hmm. And so as alluded to before, some people mm-hmm. have severe deficits in verbal and nonverbal social communication skills, which causes mm-hmm. severe impairments in functioning. Um, some people are also inflexible in behavior and may have extremely difficult time coping with change or showing signs of distress slash difficulty when attempting to change focus. The Um, inability to adapt. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So like one of my coworkers was struggling to get one of the kids. I'm not going to say the coworkers or the kid's name. um, Of course. To stop playing a video game. But I mean, if you were there, you know who I'm talking about. If if you were there, you you know what's going on. Um, Try to get one of the kids to stop playing a video game um, when it was time to change activities. And granted, if any kid is face deep in a video game, it would be a bit difficult. You know, it would be a little bit of a struggle to get them off it. But it seemed to be more of a struggle than was necessary. Um, because, again, how we manage these, you know, how we work with these individuals that are on the spectrum is is important. We can't just do the one size fits all that works for quote unquote neurotypical people. Like you mm-hmm. have to have an array of tools in your kit. And so knowing that some of the kids I work with are on the spectrum and require uh, a bit more attention than others. I'm curious, how does this condition interfere with your work? If at all? Um, well, as you know, I'm a U.S. nine. I'm a veteran. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> and my common, I think the most common diagnosis I ever got from a doctor, be it my family doctor or my behavioral doctor, it was the inability to adapt. Um, it would be to the point to where I would say a word and I just got stamped with that automatically. Um, and it wasn't until my second base that my psychiatrist told me that I do have autism and the job that she had, she could not give me the diagnosis, but encouraged me to try and get that. Now that was a lot at the time. Right. right? And you already have this fear of being inferior when you're serving, Mm. but 
it was when I, I think it's only been recently that I've been able to successfully shift gears from one activity to another, but there's so much prep work involved. Mm. I have to do something to like, let's say if I'm a, if I'm working on my computer and I should stop at five for very reasons, avoiding burnout or because I have something to do. I can't just be like, oh, it's four, 45, 15 minutes. I should start winding down. I'm thinking that I should do that. My body's not listening. It's just like, okay, but just one more. And then you get that time blindness <laughs> mm-hmm. that kicks in. And the next thing you know, it's one o'clock in the morning and you didn't stop. I have to have something in my environment. So if I'm listening, so I have a playlist that I play when I'm working and it switches genres. When it switches genres, it's like that outside input telling me to shift gears. I can then start doing something, maybe not my next task immediately, but maybe instead of like working on my computer to shut down, I'm like, making sure I'm writing down my reminders for the next day because now it's still related to what I'm doing, but it's me physically doing something else. And then when I'm done writing down my list, if I'm not in a manic mode (laughs) and I make like 10 lists afterwards, then I'm like, okay, we're good. We can go do something else. And then I go dance or I make a TikTok because I have to like get that energy that says, no, we can still do more. Yo. Yeah. Yo, that's great. Okay. Because when you have that burnout, you can't manage your symptoms well. Absolutely. Right. In my case, at least. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. I mean, if if anyone's not feeling, you know, up to 100%, they're not going to be as effective as if they were. Um, Right. So you had mentioned, so, okay, hold on, wait a minute. I've never. I keep dropping, like, dropping bombs. You're dropping so (laughs) many golden nuggets right now. Okay, listen, (laughs) listen. My, My friend says, yo, look. I have a playlist that we have, we have a specific time. So like the first, let's say first 20 minutes or however, an hour, whatever of the day. Okay. It's grind time. It's time. It's that aggressive music, like, or whatever kind of music you like. And then, you know, for the next, you know, two thirds, it's like, okay, like the, Ooh, all right. You know, a little smoother, like maybe some mm-hmm. R&B, some jazz, like, okay, it's about to come down. It's about to, you know, about to start getting ready for the next little bit, next leg. And then the last third, it's just like lo-fi, like boom. Now, okay, mm-hmm. now we're chilling, now we're vibing, now we're getting ready to, you know, close it down, wind it down. Um, and I think that's that's a really cool thought or like even a, a really cool thing to do, to be like, hey. That, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think it's cool. Oh, no, it's perfectly fine. I think it's cool, too. I think it's just like, in some cases, people can do things like that naturally or even just go with the vibe. But I have to, like, make sure I'm planning you know, some people may be like, oh, well, I have to do that too. And it helps me too. I'm like, the difference is that you're not making sure that you meditate and pray and write down and ruminate to make sure that you're doing all these things or else it doesn't work. Right, right. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes if there's too much going on in my environment, now that playlist just feels like a nightmare <laughs> because it's just adding more to my environment. And there's too many sounds. The baby's crying. The cats are crying. The dogs are saying, you're not giving me enough attention. And now that playlist is too much because now that playlist is like, oh yeah, but by this time I'm supposed to be moving and I haven't moved yet. Mm. And then you get that ADHD paralysis. Yo, yo, we mentioned this on on our ADHD episode, okay? Mm-hmm. That, man. And so I, I think that's that's fascinating right like some days it's super effective it's like boom this is the way this is mm, the word and then some days it's like this is adding to my stress i need to listen to nothing please like (laughs) 
I need to just breathe. Um, so it's like breathing is too much. I can hear myself breathe. Like, you know what I mean? Like, am I breathing too hard? Oh my god! Go like you were mentioning sensory, I cannot stand the. the I can't stand when my mouth is dry and my throat is dry, and you feel the air coming in. It feels like it's itching and drying out my chest and i just imagine someone hanging up pig ears and letting them dry in the sun and that's what it feels like like i don't know if you've seen that but like no 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 it just sounds okay i i I was hearing what you were saying but then i was imagining your lungs looking like dried out pig ears and i'm like there's no way that's so painful it is it is and you're not like a mild annoyance it's like you know that poem whose name I always forget where he hears his wife's heartbeat beating from the floorboards and it's just representing him losing his sanity because you don't hear the heartbeat right but it's that type of distraction you're like just drink water just drink water but you're like I gotta do this I gotta do this I gotta do this I gotta do this but you're not moving and you're just like what's water what's a cup I can't use a cup why can't I do this why it's a lot overwhelming easily overwhelming and then the symptoms start start doing that so now you're on symptom management mm-hmm. and symptom management can take 10 minutes to six hours and now my whole day is gone and i got nothing done because today we had to just focus on symptoms that's what i did yesterday like after that whole thing that happened mm-hmm. i had to focus on calming myself down you were you were saying something about hypo sensory input uh so earlier yeah, so either hypoactivity or hyperactivity to sensory input. Right. So a lot of my sensory input is audio and light. And my light sensitivity translates into audio sensory input. If it's too bright, I hear it. Hmm. And I also have that thing to where I can hear like the electricity on certain pitches. Like I can I know when the power goes out or the fridge is going out because I can't hear the fridge anymore. So right, right. sometimes it can be louder than the other sounds and then when you have all that stress which aggravates your symptoms all your common sense just goes out the window because some people don't realize that common sense isn't just like oh i know not to touch the stove but it's hot it's like i have to consciously remember not to touch the stove because it's hot i have to consciously remember to ensure that i turn off the stove so i don't leave something burning i have to consciously remember not to you know, just these little things that would be common sense for people. You don't realize that it's a check, it's a mental checklist that I have to go through really, 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 really fast to make right. sure that I'm doing every single day with a lot of decisions. Yeah, it, it seems overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so, so what about friendships? Do you find, um, does it affect friendships at all? Um, it did when most of my friends were neurotypical. Mm. Um, even if they understood, I would just end up being the butt of the joke. Oh, you're smart. Oh, you're pretty, but kind of airheaded, but a little bit too flexible or a little bit too sensitive, not realizing that when I do feel emotions, it's, if it's a lot, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a lot to move me because I do feel my emotions. Right. And I do respond even if I don't show it on the outside, but when it does move me, it's like, oh, we got to handle this now because now this is a thing and I catastrophize it. It can get this big, but like now we can't handle it and we need to get it done. Like, um, let's say you have a friend that makes like a microaggressive racist comment. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
more neurotypicals will probably be like, well, let's have a discussion about this if they're a person that you would have that discussion with. Mm-hmm. Whereas with me, I'm going to be like, why are you being racist? I'm Yo, not going to like talk around it, right? Because to me, it's too much energy and I have to look at your expressions, look at my expressions and see if this is the right way of doing it and see if I'm upsetting you or make sure I'm articulating it well, make sure I'm saying the words. I can just be like, why are you being racist? Yes. They'll just say that a symptom being autistic means that you're going to be blunt. And it's true, but sometimes you're not looking at why we got to be blunt. We don't want to do all of that social tap dancing to be like, why are you being racist or why are you being prejudiced or why are you being misogynistic, especially if we know that that equates to injustice. Mm-hmm. And that's another symptom, that hyperfixation on injustice. We're like, no, but this is wrong by the book. The rules say that yeah. this is injustice. So I don't have a lot of friends <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. left, especially after the Black Lives Matter movement happened and those George Floyd um, marches that happened. It was a lot of that just um, across the spectrum, no matter gender or color. Mm-hmm. Um, even with me coming out as non-binary and being like, no, I don't want you to get, give you time to adapt to using my pronouns. Just use my pronouns or come back later when you can. Right. Um, it, it, it leaves me very little wiggle room. And the more I find out about my neurodivergency and my identity, the harder it is for me to even want to maintain a mask Mm, and hide. And that makes it very difficult because I do want to go back covert, but I can't. Mm. It causes me so much more stress because then I'm arguing in my head, but you know, this is wrong. You know, you don't have to do this. And you know that if you mask yourself, it's going to be adding to the problem, not subtracting for it. And you're doing your part and it's so stressful because you end up holding yourself accountable for so much. Right. And then you hold your friends accountable as well, because I'm not going to be easy on you when I'm hard on me for something that affects people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And And that affects me. And that affects you. You know what I mean? Like if I'm, if I can just be blunt and have everyone be okay with that, like that'd mm-hmm. be fine. Like if I could just be blunt and not be called an asshole, like that, that would be great. Like, yeah. I, Cause there are really actually like, assholes out there. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think that there, there may even be some, you know, some benefit to just being like straight up with people off the rip, not having to do the social, you know, formal polite politeness dance and all this. Like, but I, I think that's, that's important as well. And so mm-hmm. I remember before we I have to switch my mic. Hold on. I'm sorry. Okay. You're fine. I remember you were you were mentioning that uh you were struggling to get adequate care or an adequate diagnosis as a person of color, even in the military. So will you tell me a little bit about that? More so in the military. I think that by the time I got like a very good therapist, she just recognized what was going on and the focus more so came to be about me getting help and me protecting myself until I got out. Mm-hmm. Um, afterwards, it's just very, a lot of clinics don't diagnose people over the age of 20. Hmm. You have to find a specialty doctor or provider or care that does do diagnosis in adults. And even then you're going to have some that still require you to have your parents come in to give testimony on how you were when you were a child. So if you don't have access to your parents or a relationship with your parents or your parents don't believe that you have autism, because we know how sometimes mental health can be viewed in our community as 
not good. Mm-hmm. Um, it can make that difficult, right? I finally got on a waiting list. That's about eight months long. And this is my second time. I didn't get a call back the first time. That was a year. But I have to go all the way to North Carolina, which is like eight hours away from me where I have to drive to. And wait, 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 wait. So you have to drive eight hours to see a doctor who will diagnose you? Yeah. Huh. Okay. I'm following. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's three appointments for that. So I have to drive that eight times. And being a single parent of a child who's also on the spectrum, I it's a lot to maneuver to to do that, especially with school being out and everything. Right, um, right. It's very hard, uh, especially because those who are perceived as female, they have to be tested differently. Like I think the research says that how autism is diagnosed in boys, that testing standard is different than autism in girls because girls are automatically taught to mask our flaws as we get older. So I know that and it can look like being ditzy or chatting too much or over planning and all of that stuff is just to really distract from the actual symptoms that we're exhibiting. Mm. So you have to look that in mind, but I'm very much intersex and non-binary and I exhibit symptoms from both genders. So I had to make sure that I found a doctor that would honor me being non-binary and understand that I have both symptoms from both sides of the gender because that affects how I do my things. I can be seen as a little bit more aggressive because of how I act out, so to speak. And some people may just think that I have like an aggression disorder if they don't realize like, no, it's it's autism, but they're going to see me as that because Black people are usually seen as more aggressive, number one. And I'm not exhibiting uh, symptoms that's typical of someone who was raised female. Mm. So that has been it. I still don't even know if that's going to be, if I want to have a good experience right? when I meet this doctor, because being an LGBTQ ally doesn't mean that they'll respect that I'm non-binary. Right. Or even, and so I, I think that's interesting as well, because, you know, throughout the episode, we've, we've heard mention of, you know, like either, you know, either LGBT or on, on the spectrum or or non-binary or trans or whichever. Um, I think that it's important that as a doctor, right, like let's acknowledge that this person is a human first, because I feel exactly. like many times even, and I'm sure there's even going to be some listeners here who like they put the LGBT stamp on before they see that this person's a person or they put the autism stamp on someone before they say, oh, this is a person. Um, exactly. And I feel like that's, that's problematic at the very least to a potential relationship that you could be sharing with this person. Maybe not a super intimate relationship, but at the very least having a discussion about, you know, what this person's life is like and what you can learn from each other. Um, yeah, exactly. Yes. Most of my friends now are definitely neurodivergent, neurospicy. Neurospicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Neurospicy. That's funny. Um, uh, either they're, ADHD or autistic, or they have BPD, or they have did. I have several of those myself. It, it just helps when, or even PTSD, because if you have PTSD or neurodivergent, and it, it it just helps when people just understand, and you don't have to explain why you exist the way that you do. Can you imagine like how many hours you spend explaining your existence, even to just a passerby, even with nonverbal cues, you have to explain your existence. It's tiring. 
yeah, it'd be super it's tiring. So tiring. And yeah. I, I I've agree lost with you. So many friends, but I'm happier mm. now that I've lost friends. Honestly, no, I feel that. Um, and I feel also. Fuck, where where was I going with this? Anyways, yo, where I was going with this, there's here's some famous cases of people who have been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. Um, some mm-hmm. some of these people, and again, there's many, 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 many people. So, <laughs> some are Courtney Love, uh, Daryl Hannah, Dan Aykroyd, and even Elon Musk discussed on the show SNL about how he has Asperger's syndrome. Um, which falls under the autism spectrum umbrella. Um, yo, I might even do an episode on Asperger's. And so uh, currently, uh, regarding treatment now, um, currently uh, there is no one standard treatment for autism spectrum disorder, but like you'd mentioned, um, there are many ways to help minimize the symptoms and maximize the person's abilities. Uh, success of interventions will vary depending on the person and the severity. Some interventions include behavioral management therapy, Cognitive behavioral therapy, pharmaceutical treatment, physical therapy, social skills training, language mm-hmm. or speech therapy. And so I I wanted to do this episode and now we're on the section. Why is it important? Why is this important? It is important because, again, everyone's journey is different. And though my mother referenced this saying in the context of race, I think it applies to mental health as well. Think of your skin color, or mental illness in this case, as wrapping paper. And even though yours may look a little different than someone else's, you've still got an incredible gift that others will appreciate and cherish. And as mentioned in the previous episode, I think um, some of the most powerful art in the entire world can come from those whose words fail them sometimes. So people who are either hallucinating or people who are on the spectrum or someone who just or has an intellectual disability and just speech is not on their freaking table right now, but they can draw like a mother. So I think uh, we need to be mindful of each other's journeys. And sometimes being mindful isn't enough. Um, sometimes we must, like I said before, we must be curious as to, and when I say we must be curious, I, I literally heard someone talk about, must be bar curious. Like, Hey, look, what I said is we must be curious about each other's journeys and, hopefully gain a deeper perspective and appreciation for the people walking alongside us and sharing this life with us. So got anything else? Oh, I mean like done with yeah. the podcast. I mean, we're about to be done with the episode. Do you have anything oh parting gosh, words of wisdom? Hey, look, what? when I was talking to look, look, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I even look. When I said you mentioned struggling to get adequate care, adequate diagnosis as a person of color, I was like, boom, it, that was is the opportunity. You want to talk about it now before we get off? Because there's this is one thing. There's just, if I could just say one thing. Okay. Because I don't know if you're racist, but I was raised with this. When you are black, you have to work twice as hard. Hmm. I will say that when you are neurodivergency, you have to work twice as hard. That means that as a black neurodivergent, you have to work four times as hard. Mm. as your black peers and as your neurotypical peers i've mm. worked four times as hard to keep a job which i usually can't keep because i have the inability to handle bullshit mm. reasonable i cannot survive long in a social aspect 
Because if I get into a flight or fight mode and someone is approaching me because there are people who see me and they recognize me as autistic and the first thing they want to do is try to follow me home or physically touch me because they think I'll be too overwhelmed to react. Mm. And I punch them in the face. Hey, my lovely. And then I constantly prove myself to my family because we still deal with difficulties with Black people accepting neurodivergency. Mm, not yeah. praying it away, not beating it out of you, not shaming mm. it out of you, and not shoving you someplace without getting adequate care because adequate medical care means nothing if you do not get support. A lot of neurodivergent and autistic people live fulfilling lives. And the reason why some just have a better handle on their symptoms than others is because they have a safe environment to do so. Before I had a safe environment, I was all over the place and a mess. A safe environment ensured that I could have the mentality and the capacity to keep up with my own treatment. I've seen people who went from, who end up making a shift in their support status in certain aspects, of course, simply because they just had a healthier environment that they could go Mm -hmm. and heal. You do not get better if you don't feel safe enough to get better. Right. Absolutely. I think that's very, very important words of wisdom, right? Like if we're wanting to develop, if we're wanting our kids to grow, if we're wanting to, you know, provide an environment in which they can become whatever it is that they desire, like we must first provide that environment. Otherwise, exactly. you know, it's just going to be a bunch of chaos. Um, yeah. And embrace the, un- embrace the unconventional. Be curious about the unconventional. Yeah. I mean, yo, sometimes the unconventional can work. Like that's how we innovate, bro. But (laughs) that's a whole nother episode. Uh, (laughs) So if you or anyone, you know, are struggling with any of the things mentioned in this episode, please reach out, please seek help, please be there for one another. This world is wild. This world is crazy, but we're trying. And I think that should be worth something. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Catch y'all on the next one. Bye. No, but this is actually fun. It's informative because I've already learned a couple of things that I didn't know or things that I hadn't thought about.